another episode of Double Thought Dimension. I'm your host, Derek. Today, I have with me a longtime friend, first time uh, guest on the show. Um, his name is Oscar, and we were in the army together. Uh, so this is going to be a Duke City Saturdays episode. Um, going to be the same type of concept that we've done in the past. Uh, so just going to jump right in. All right, um, Oscar. Um, Derek, <laughs> let's let's just start by why don't you just uh, maybe describe where you grew up, um, and we'll just take it from there. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Oscar Derek Manchin. You know, met met in the army, kind of built a friendship over our mutual interest in music, kind of the background. Uh, uh, our background, the way that we grew up, and more specifically the areas, right? They were geographically different, but pretty much the same. Uh, you know, he grew up in Albuquerque. I grew up in Boyle Heights, which is the, the just west of East LA. You know, Boyle Heights is like the how, how can I put this? The ghetto side of the ghetto, right? East LA is like the ghetto, and Boyle Heights is the ghetto of that ghetto. Uh, it's a you know, predominantly Hispanic community, a bunch of Mexicans, uh, a couple of, uh, you know, sprinkling of white folk in there that, you know, probably fell on some hard times or were just out that card. Um, you know, there's not much to say uh, in terms of changes that have happened from, from what I can remember to now. You know, it's, it's still the same. Still the same shit. Oh, it's still the same violence going on. A lot more, actually, now. Uh, you know, uh, restrictions have been put on people, and so that just the criminals are running now. Um, where you're at there in Boyle Heights, is that, you know, because it's not that far from Hazard Park, is that right? Is, is that a part of that? That's not the same gang area, right? There's a different one for Boyle Heights, or is it all bleed into the, that same? You know, is there multiple cliques within that area? Well. Hazard Park is in Boyle Heights, right, uh, in the city, within the city limits, but they're their own uh, gang, right? They, they, they're on the other side of the town freeway, um, have basically these projects, the Ramona Gardens, on lockdown. And, you know, they, they control what goes in and out of there, who goes in and out of there. Um, you know, they're in constant problems with the people on the other side of the freeway, um, simply because three different streets right there with three different gangs, and they all just you know, don't get along with one. But, you know, Hazel Gang is that king gang. Is in control of the, the area right here. Okay. Um, so, you grew up in Boyle Heights. Um, what would you say your ethnicity and uh, culture, how would you describe that to the viewer, to the listeners? Man, ethnicity, man, that's a... Tough question. You know, it, it's not as black and white as people used to make it seem, right? I am Mexican American, American Mexican. You know, I was born here, but my parents are born in Mexico. Uh, whatever, you know, wherever that is. Culturally, uh, we have people like to identify as Chicanos, uh, basically 
we, we don't fit in over there, but we don't fit in right here. We're our own people. We're, uh, you know, yeah. to people that don't know, like people that are in the army, uh, they hear Chicano and they think I you know, drove a lowrider and I was gangbanging. <laughs> you know, I spoke with you, hey, yes, say, and, you know, spoke like that, but, you know, that's not the case. Um, culturally, you know, I I had the only culture I know from, from Mexico is, you know, that from my mom, cooking, the music, uh, you know, the language, Spanish is my first language growing up. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, we have the American culture, right? I, Learned English when I was in school. Uh, a lot of the Mexican culture is integrated into these neighborhoods and these schools in terms of, you know, celebrating Cinco de Mayo and, you know, Mexican Independence Day. Uh, you know, you'll see little girls with like these um, flacorico dresses and, uh, you know, dudes still wearing salapas and, you know, <laughs> Mexican cowboy hats and things like that. Um, uh, that, that wasn't me, right? But even to this day now, you'll still see that around the neighborhoods. Um, that's the same way I grew up, uh, at, when you were in school, uh, in elementary school, did they have a program called ESL? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, actually did a couple of years in there. Because when I was going to, uh, uh, elementary school there, they basically broke up the classes between people who could speak English all the way and then ESL. So if you couldn't speak English fully, then you would have to go to ESL, which is like English as a second language, for like however long it took you to speak English. Then you would just go to the regular classes with everyone else. But yeah. it was like pretty much um, uh, divided down where um, people already knew English by the time they were in first grade. So ESL didn't take very long, you know, so... The only people that were in ESL were like people who were like straight from Mexico who had just came, you know, like their parents like literally just came and they still only spoke English, uh, Spanish. Um, is it similar there? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I was fortunate enough to go to preschool, um, went really young. I feel that I learned a lot of English there, uh, and the kindergarten as well. So that's and I did get to the first grade I spent maybe that, you know, half of the year of first grade in the ESL and, you know, the rest of my education was in English after that. Looking back now, though, what I noticed is, like you said, a lot of the kids from Mexico or, or like from El Salvador or something like that were put in those classes. And even the, even the kids that weren't um, learning as quickly as others, even if they knew English, right? They were, I guess that was like a remedial program without it actually being called remedial, like a lot of, kept a lot of people back for no reason just because they couldn't pronounce certain words or had speech problems and automatically they were like, these kids are problems, they need more attention. Uh, in the reality, it probably wasn't that. You know? A lot of kids got held, held back for no reason. Yeah, I had a few friends who, there was nothing wrong with them. Uh, they just didn't speak good English, uh, but they yeah. were treated like if they were in, um, you know, remedial class. But really, they just couldn't speak English that good. So they just were held back and held back until they were way behind, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty hard to be way behind in the ghetto in Albuquerque. Like, it's something you're really behind then because the, the yeah. pace isn't very fast, you know. So it's like, it really didn't set these kids up for success, that's for sure. And the only uh, reason I had success 
or maybe more than others was just the fact that I knew English better. You know, I grew up speaking English as my first language. So it was um, not as difficult for me, but I saw with all my friends that I had um, the disadvantages that they uh, were going through when I didn't have to go through it because I spoke English. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of those kids too, right? You you get frustrated, and you, know, you can only imagine, like, uh, like you know, I mean, I was fortunate enough to learn English to a point where they thought that I was okay to move on in, in the English speaking classes. But a lot of those kids that I knew from those classes, they you know made it to the sixth grade and dropped out, joined gangs, um, were working, you know, with their parents or, or traveling to Washington to pay the apples, like in the orchard. Or, or something like that, and they just, you know, had they been left in the English class, they would have learned the language quicker, being around it, being immersed in it, rather than, you know, having the majority of the curriculum in Spanish and then doing assignments in English. Um, and I feel like that, a, a lot of those programs, right, they seem good, right, on the surface, but inherently it's really bad. It's, um, it's setting people up to fail, right? Like, they're not going to learn something by doing it every little, every once in a month. Just have to be thrown into it and absorb it from every angle that you possibly can. Uh, speak it as much as you can, and at some point it's going to click, you know. And a lot of these people didn't get that opportunity. Yeah, I, I knew countless people who, like you were saying, in, in six between sixth and eighth grade, who just said "fuck it" with the school system, and they, you know, there were kids who were driving their own car to middle school. And then leaving to go do drywall halfway through the day. Like, oh shit, gotta go. And going with their dad and their brothers to go uh, tape and mud a house. Like, and just forgetting about school and just quitting uh, in 6th yeah. and 7th grade. It's like, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? And you know, what was crazy is, so I grew up in Boyle Heights for the majority of my childhood. Um, hit a couple of rough patches, right? We had to move around. Every now and then, every couple of years, we moved to Long Beach for you know maybe three years of 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 our, of our youth time, and there are not that many Hispanic kids, but there are a lot of uh, um, the Asian population, um, uh, and, and a lot of Black people there too. Uh, what I noticed was that a lot of a lot of American-born Black people were in those ESI classes, not because they can speak English, but like we mentioned earlier, right? They weren't they weren't advancing in the classes like the other people were, and 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 then you see that now, like they they were held back for no reason. They maybe a little bit more time with everybody there, not just the black people, right? But like everybody who was in those classes, it could have paid it could have paid off, could have paid dividends for them, you know? Yeah. Like um, like right, so earlier you asked like a little bit about the culture growing up here mm-hmm. from my, my perspective. How was it? How was it for you as a as, as a white person, right? As a non non Mexican or Hispanic, uh, growing up in that environment, right? Like, there just maybe one or two of you for every fucking two hundred Mexicans that there are around. Right. So for me, honestly, the um, it didn't seem like it was um, weird, or I I didn't feel like uh, to me everyone was just like a Chicano, like everybody was that like even though I was white and um my family is white and in appearance um my great-grandma on my dad's side was from Chihuahua uh so 
everyone in Albuquerque, it seems like even if you're white, no matter what race you are, uh, white, black, Spanish, uh, Ecuadorian, Asian, everyone is the same um, culturally because that's really the only thing Albuquerque has going for it is the culture and the food. So everybody is uh, just on that same that same um, playing playing field. So I didn't really feel like it was too much of a difference, but I I definitely was discriminated against for being white um, at times where um, you know being white was a, a minority. So uh, you know people would just like. Um, but I didn't really feel like it was uh, being like fucked up. Like it was just like, hey, white boy, uh, pass the ball, or you know, just like it didn't really seem like a like a racism or anything like that. Just like, hey, you're white. It's obvious. Look at your skin. Uh, but not right. in, not in like a super negative way. It's just like whatever. There, there's the white boy, and a, a lot of the white white kids actually. Um, grew up and joined the gangs and you know all almost all the white gang members were always the crazy ones because they were always trying to prove themselves so white dudes in in albuquerque if they're in a gang they're always the ones that have the most tattoos have the most street uh violence or they're the ones that have been shot and been to prison you know but um luckily for me i didn't go down that path so it, I didn't have to deal with any of that. Yeah, same here. Um, and it's crazy here too, right? Uh, like the the, the or, or, or what people would say, um, you know, Hispanics do it to each other all the time, right? They'll call each other, you know, flaco, gordo, yeah, uh, you know, marbon. It's um, there's always some sort of shit talking, right? But if it doesn't come from a bad place, it's like a a way to be affectionate to someone without having to be overly affectionate, right? To show like, hey, you're accepted, you're one of us, or, or whatever the case. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Right? And it's the same for, you know, the white people here too. They, um, they'll ask them their experience growing up and they're going to damn near say, you know, anything identical that you just said that. You know, it's like that, right? They go to jail and they run with Mexican, with the Mexican people or Mexican mafias. Um, you know, they have to, you know, put in work. I find the Mexican tend to on them. Um, and it's like you said, right? That the Chicano word, that, the, the Chicanos, I think it's a, uh, it's a culture on its own, not necessarily made up of, you know, Mexicans, but made up of people in that community, right? The Chicano community. You grew up together, you grew up the same, being the same, going through some bullshit, regardless of what your color was, because nobody who lives in the Chicano neighborhood is privileged, regardless of what their color is. <laughs> A white person living there is not going to get far just because they're white. Like they're still coming from that like the gutter neighborhood, right? From the ghetto, it's not not any easier for them, right? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely wasn't like um, I didn't have any sort of silver spoon because I was white. <laughs> I still lived on in the West Side and still lived in the ghetto, so you know that's just how it is. If you live in a ghetto, that's life, and no matter what your race is, you're from there, and that's just life, uh, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, do you have any particular 
uh, crazy stories you can think of uh, from your childhood that looking back now, um, although they were normal at the time and everyone you knew had similar experiences, but looking back now, is there any that you can think of that are like, damn, that's fucked up? Yeah, um, like growing up, man, just growing up in, in some apartments that were just basically, you know, Mexicans, Salvadorans, Ecuadorians, low, low, low class people, poverty people, um, normalizing everything. Um, you know, we lived in apartments that were, you know, the neighbor to the wall that's up in the wall there. Um, and you can see things out the window or whatever. And everybody's experience was the same. You know, we're, we're 7 p.m. at night or whatever, you hear somebody yelling out. So you go to the window in the back and you're seeing somebody get stabbed, you know, and it's like, huh, it's happening again, you know, it's uh, who did it this time kind of deal, or who was the one doing it, right? Um, and nobody said anything, right? Everybody knew what was going on. These were your neighbors, you know, you could see them doing the back shit. But nobody said anything to the cops. Like, that's just one of those uh, unspoken things, right? Regardless of what you know or who you know, you just don't talk to the cop. You just, you just don't. Like, that's just forbidden. Um you know, and, and a lot of my friends can share that same story, right? Finding, seeing people get stabbed or shot or, or you know, even like seeing them get jumped on the way home from school or something like that. Things that you just normalize, right? You're becoming uh, numb to. Looking back now, it's like, fuck, like we really did experience some of that, you know? Maybe that that would explain some of the decisions we made later in life, you know? Deciding to, to join the military in a time of war in, a, in that specific profession or whatever. Um, and then you tell these stories to other people and they're looking at you like, how are you not more fucked up? You know, like, did you go to counseling? Did you do this? Did you do that? And it's like, no, nah, man, you just put it in the back of your head and you block it out. <laughs> you know, if you don't, one, it's, it's frowned upon in the ghetto to see counseling. Uh, two, you can't afford it even if you did want it. Like, <laughs> it's not one of those things that you can do. You fucking talk to, you talk to your friends about it. And I guess that, you know, that kind of counts as counseling, but. No, man, you know, I'm sure you have similar stories like that, too. Um, you know, these, these these kinds of communities behave the same way. Yeah, it's uh, just definitely being there so recently in L.A. Um, it's just shit never changes in those neighborhoods. It's just, I mean, you could have COVID, um, 9-11, blah, blah, blah. But there's still the same uh guys walking on the streets all fucked up there's still the same uh people you know it's still the same shit nothing ever changes you know it, it doesn't matter what is going on in the world shit is still all fucked up you know yeah yeah i you know left the military came back to me and nothing changed people are getting stabbed skin do eyes neighbors are still fucked up getting are getting bigger and it's like who the fuck is, who's still interested in this kind of shit? Like, you know, people, you, you leave, we left, we got the chance to leave and experience being in a different country and then coming back and seeing like, like, fuck, man, things don't change at all. And you wonder why it is because a lot of them don't, don't ever leave. They don't ever get out of the immediate neighborhood, the community. And this is all they know. Yeah. And, I, w I was thinking about that the other day, too, because obviously I'm gone from there. I'm gone from that neighborhood. I'm gone from that whole way of life. But 
if I would have never left and just stayed in that area, and especially if I would have stayed in the punk rock community I was in, I mean, at this point right now, I would be uh, at a high level of um, importance. You know, like I would be the OG, basically, you know. Um, So I, I can see how if you never leave there and you just stay in that, that same lifestyle, it's like, you're just, your mind's all fucked up from that. And it's like, well, why would you want to leave? Because if you leave, then all of the, your status that you have accumulated uh, a lifetime uh, putting in work on the streets would just go away and no one knows or, and no one will care, you know? So I can see how that uh, lifestyle and, right. and staying like that, um, although it's fucked up can be something that just perpetuates. And that's why it perpetuates down to the kids, you know, because that's all they know. And if you never leave there and you just stay in that life, I mean, by the time there were kids when I was five who already had a fade slick back hair, wearing a hair nut, um, selling weed at school. I mean, they're there. I mean, they had no chance and no choice. It's just that's life. All their family members were gang members, and that's just how it is. You know, it, it it's crazy to think that um, no matter how many years pass, you still go to those neighborhoods, and it's still the same shit. And you just have to watch your back and hope nothing goes wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I remember this kid in elementary, his name was Alex. Um, creased up, like Levi's, Cortez shoes, like big white shirts all creased up, and that, that, that cholo belt buckle that, you know, cholo's would wear with the letter. Um, you know, we're going to dress like that. And, you know, when his parents would drop him off, then you see the dad dressed just like that, you know? <laughs> Except, uh, like that cholo mustache to just hang all the phone. Um, but yeah, I, I I've never actually thought about it in that perspective that you put, but that's true. You know, you, you spend years building, uh, building up your character, building up who you are uh, in the streets, only to say, well, why am I going to leave now? And I sat with it for this long and I went through the bullshit. You know, now it's my turn to to run the streets, right? To call these shots and, and have somebody else do the dirt. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, because they, they could leave, uh, they could go try to better themselves, you know, air quotes. But in their mind, they're already in, at the top, you know. Why would you want to, I mean, go, get, getting out and going doing, to do something else, that's not considered, like, bettering yourself. That's basically being a bitch. You know, other people on the streets would look at you as, oh, you're a bitch now? Or what? You know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's like, damn, Jesus Christ, I'm a bitch for doing that, huh? <laughs> I guess. But, yeah. So, it is. And, and it's crazy. So, this is not a to work. I see it. And then, even now, uh, to have fire, to have fit to that fire or whatever, you're throwing homeless encampments right outside of people's houses, at least here. And, you know, now you not only have to worry about the gang members, but you have to worry about the homeless, you living right on the side of the front of your place. You know, your your kid for walking to school, whatever the case. 
I'd have to worry about them getting snatched up or getting fucking harassed or molested or some shit. And, and it's just adding to the problem of these communities, right? As if gangs and drugs, you know, things of violence were not enough. Right? It's it difficult for the people to prosper in these areas. Um, that it's a miracle, man, that you know, people do make it out. It honestly, you know, when, when you're in it, you don't see it. But when you leave, you see that it's designed to keep you from succeeding. Right? Like, every, literally, everything's against you. You're running against 100 mile an hour wind, man. And it just, it's a miracle anything gets done or people do fucking get out. It is. It is a miracle. And uh, that that's why I wanted to start this um, uh, segment of the show, the Duke City Saturdays, because I have gone so many places and I always resonate with the people like me, uh, you know, like in the army, I re- just resonated with people from the ghetto, like naturally, completely, uh, you know, I can't help it. It's weird that um, it's like that, you know, like uh, it's hard to relate. It's to, organic. In it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm the same way, right? Like uh, looking back, I got to the army. I got there September. Uh, three of us, me and these other people. I think it was who was it? Um, it was Baker and Baker and some other kid. Um, and then the next day, Anthony gets there, and um, you know, immediately me and Anthony just start talking, vibing, right? We got along with Baker and then two cool dudes. Um, but Anthony and I opened up like to each other completely. Like, you where he was from, you know. California from LA as well. I was just like, oh shit, man. At least I got lucky with this. And then, you know, meeting other people down the line, it's like, okay, you, you'll meet people when you're cool with them, but you you won't build like really like relationships like ours where where, where you know they're like genuine because you know we we understand that that upbringing is is uh is different from somebody else, right? Like um, we've done all the same shit and we've damn near suffered the same shit. So when, when we're around each other, we know that it's like, hey, uh, you know, like that per- that's a valid person. Like, I know something already happened or whatever. Like, that person, you know, they got my back or I got their back. You're, there's someone, you're, you're a reliable person to that person. Like, it's, it's almost comforting because you're, it's like bringing home with you, but not necessarily. Yeah, like, you, you just know at the back of your mind um, that that person will instantly just... Uh, do the right thing if shit hits the fan like and right. they won't even think twice about it and even though you even if you don't even know them that good but you know where they're from or how they grew up you know that they will help you if shit goes down and with anything too not just like fights or whatever right but uh you know fuck if you're hungry man they got food and give it to you they'll give you a sweater off your back uh, whatever the case, you know, it's not just about like, uh, you know, like, oh, look, we're, at a, we're at the bar, we're going to get a fight and I trust them, but it, it's all around to do the right thing, you know, like, uh, you know, if they see you fucking up, for example, you trust that they're going to say some shit, that'll, you know, get you back on the path and be like, hey, you're fucking up, you know, like, maybe maybe try to correct this behavior or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's genuine, right? We're, 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 again, going back to where we're from, um, you know, the OGs in the hood, They've been through some shit and they've seen some shit, right? So when they see you fucking up, even though you're not like a gang member, sometimes they try to say, hey, you know, straight now and do the right thing. Because even they know 
you know, who the people are that are going to make it out. Like, if they see something in you, they won't let you get in trouble or do stupid shit, right? And be like, hey, then look out for you too, almost in a way. Because, you know, that's why I think a lot of people like us, we, um, you know, where we come from, even if we don't live there or whatever, we still have love for those places, right? Because it was bad, but it wasn't all bad. Like, you learned a lot. You grew up, and in, in a sense, it kind of made you who you are today, right? You, you become resilient really quick. And you can't, you, you, you don't have the opportunities to take days off. And you don't have, uh, you don't have parents that work and make really good money that can send you to a school where you can, uh, you know, learn and, and have counseling sessions and do shit like that. Like, that's just not available. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you just know that that person will be there in the time of need, basically. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it or not, um, but if you if you don't, maybe you could just explain, if people don't know, a little about maybe what, what a coyote is, and then maybe, I don't know, if you feel comfortable saying anything about that. And if not, then you could just maybe just describe to people, because my wife didn't know, because uh, I just wrote down on a card, like, uh, a coyote that's all I wrote. And she was like, what, what's coyote? I'm like, it's just something, you know? <laughs> so maybe just, um, <laughs> describe what, what that is. And then if, if you feel like saying anything else, that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of months ago, there was this frenzy, right? Where people are like, coyotes are bringing in, you know, illegals and they're doing this and that. And everybody's like sharing these, uh, wily coyote pictures and memes. And, and it's like making fun of this, right. But not, not really knowing that that is a term known for, for smugglers, right? Uh, coyote in English, uh, coyote in Spanish. Um, so uh, basically what they're tasked to do is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're like, as, as crazy as some of the trackers, they know how to navigate the, the desert and they have predetermined routes where they'll bring, uh, you know, people will pay the money to get them across. You know, for lack of better words, that's what they do. Um, once they're on their other side or on the side in which they're going to stay at, uh, you have, they're, they're passed off to a different person. Uh, this person is known as a, uh, as a pollero, like, uh, the person that's now in charge of getting them to their destination, be it Washington, uh, North Carolina, New York, whatever the case may be, right? Um, I, um, know some people that did that stuff, right? Um, and they, very lucrative business. They, you know, Move 15 to 25 people at a time, bringing in thousands of dollars, like a lot of money, a lot of money. And all of this just happening, like right in the open. Um, you know, there's some um, people that will say, well, is, is it illegal? I don't know. I mean, they didn't bring them across the states. I mean, they didn't bring them across the border, um, which is illegal. Um, you know, driving across state lines, you can make the argument. But, you know, for the most part it's 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 just a business man human trafficking it's um i would have was it's like it was really funny when it broke out you know like i said the memes man people were like like what are we talking about i thought they you might see a a 15 passenger church van with people you know and, and that's how they operate 
really kind of the vehicle that they use to get people to really go in a manner that that's not too too loud, right? That's not going to get them detected or put up. You know, they're trying to bring the minimal attention uh, to themselves that they can bring. Yeah, I think um, one thing I was thinking about the other day is uh, I used to be a different way than I am now. Um, and I think a lot of people are still living in the way that I used to be as opposed to how I am now. So I used to just have a kind of a, a black and white view of the world and just take everything that I that came at me at face value and didn't really put much thought into it. But as I was driving the other day, I just noticed some cars or uh, they seemed uh, suspicious to me. So I mentally um, catalog that like for future reference, like, I don't know what's up with these cars. Um, could be sketchy. Uh, they, they looked out of place for where they were at. So I was like, man, they could be uh, trafficking people or something. Cause it's uh, they, where they were was odd. But as I was thinking that I was like, I think a lot of people don't even notice those things. And there's two different worlds where uh, a lot of shit's going down in the world that people just don't know about. Uh, being One of them being uh, smuggling people across borders and uh, transporting them all over the place. Um, that's just one aspect. But there's so many things going on in the world right out in the open that people just have no clue that's, that is happening. And are completely oblivious to it, which I think is why it's so easy for that to happen. Because people just keep going with their day, don't put uh, two and two together, and that's it. But you know, it's weird now that I, I don't, I just don't think like that anymore uh, because of all, so many things that I've seen and witnessed throughout my life that's put me on like this uh, alert. You know, like I'm on an alert level when I'm out in society thinking like uh what can I do like not in a like scared mentality just like aware of all my surroundings and cataloging cataloging it for future reference what do you what do you think about that when in terms of uh um the coyote shit or just human trafficking or whatever in general well, you see, it's funny you bring that up, man, uh, saying that people are oblivious to this. They are, and the reason I believe so is because it's America, right? Here in America, a lot of people have that mentality that life's all about me. They don't notice anything else unless it involves them, right? They're not involved in that, so they're not going to notice it. They're not going to pay attention to them, right? Everything is, life revolves around them, so if it's not happening directly to them or to someone they know or to, in a way, right? So we live in this uh like in a very selfish world right here where people always want to use tragedy or something to gain sympathy, right? Like uh, every time something, something happens wherever in the world, somebody will tweet out or post something like, oh my God, like this happened to this person that I know and I'm so broken up about it or shaken up about it. Um, when really they don't have nothing to do with it or, or, or whatever, right? But they want to put themselves in that position to get sympathy and empathy from people. Um, and they can't do that, right, in everyday life, right? So 
whereas you and I can listen to the product mm-hmm. and they might look at it and think, oh, no, that's weird. But that's it. That's about as far as it'll go for them. They're not thinking of winning it. Like, uh, like, what's really going on? Who's doing that? Or, you know, why is this semi truck in this big neighborhood? This, this neighborhood <laughs> and cars only fit here, right? <laughs> uh, not knowing that people are probably getting loaded up or drugs are coming off or, or something like that. Um, it's, um, I, I honestly think it's that, right? We're, we're, we put too many things out in the road uh, where that, that, that depict this. Right? You have shows like the Kardashian show or a lot of these um, reality TV shows where it's all about them. So every, I, I firmly believe that people here believe that they're in their own reality show. Like it's, everything's revolving around them so they don't have time to notice anything that doesn't affect them or anything that's not on their level, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that heightened alert response, we have it, man. I don't, you know, granted, we, we, we probably had it since we were young, simply by where we grew up, um, you know, kind of being like, hey, maybe I should have walked in there or, you know, those people in the park look like they're up to no good or some shit, so maybe I should stay away at this hour. Um, and then going into the Army, they, they develop that, right, to build on it, and, and you get better at what you do, and when you come out now as a civilian, you're just like, you can't go anywhere comfortably anymore. <laughs> You're always thinking of, of uh, hey, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't take my family there, or maybe we shouldn't sit here at this theater, or or probably shouldn't go eat right there because it's too close to this fucking alley, and, and you can't sleep in here or something, right? Uh, it's um, it, it's shitty, right? I mean, nobody likes to put that way. It's not necessarily fear, right? But now, as an older person, you know, you have a wife and kids. I have a wife. Um you're mindful of that now, right? Because you don't want anything to happen to those people. Yeah, it's like just an involuntary response. Uh, I can't really control it, but also just being aware of the fact that other people are just oblivious, you know? It's like what I was thinking of the other day in the store. It's like, is there anyone else in the store who is like not in their own mental world like, I felt like I was the only one who was actually in the store. Uh, everyone else felt like they were just fucking walking around in their own reality where I was in the store getting shit and, like, watching out for what I was doing and, like, looking around so I wouldn't hit people with my cart and shit like that. You know, whereas uh, most of the other people were just, like, fucking just not even... Like, they're in their own completely... um empty store with where there's no one else you know it's weird <laughs> yeah they're just uh i hate that shit right uh, people like that right that, that are just so so oblivious that you're walking and there's somebody in front of you walking and then they just all of a sudden stop and check their phone and you're down near like a foot away from crashing into them <laughs> and if you do hit them then you're the asshole you hit them right but it's like they're stopping right in the middle of a fucking walkway. Like, move over, get off your fucking phone, don't rock and be on your phone. And, and yeah, you know, um, and they all follow that crowd too, right? Uh, they would go around, the, you know, an, an example was when we went to Target when, when we were here. Um, everybody was walking in, you know, putting like an attractorized pattern, yeah. and everybody was just stacked. They were comfortably just standing in line waiting. Some of them didn't even know what they were in line for. Others were like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll just wait here and see what happens. I'll pay when I pay. And it's like, I don't know, if you just got your head out of your ass and 
maybe, you know, a thought for a second, you can probably get out, find a way to get out of the store, pay, and I have to wait fucking 20 minutes, right? But like you said, they're in their own world, they're on their phone, so they don't even notice that they're waiting in this fucking 30, 40 minute line. And it's like, you know, it's sad. You take a step back and you're looking at this and it's like, fuck. Like, you no, know, if shit really were to happen, the other people are going to get people killed because they're not going to think uh, rationally. It's just going to be all hysterics and it's, it's a very good place to be. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, another question I wanted to ask was uh, any gang stories or issues with gangs uh, or, you know, that you can think of prominent ones that stick out in your mind? Um, well, immediate ones right now. You know, when you were here, I'm sure you noticed a lot of the writing at the liquor store and like right in front of the apartments. Um, you know, that's, that's still going on. Uh, you know, another writing on there, like, hey, let's, uh, let's have gunplay and let's do this, let's do that. It's like, I think one of these days, you know, um, there's going to be like a death right in front of the apartments. A couple of days ago, there was um, a shooting probably two blocks away. Um, I think two people shot, one person dead. Didn't make the news, right? Um, you know, I think here in California, there's a new DA who got voted in who is releasing criminals by the dozen by the day. And these people are coming back to the streets frustrated, you know, are happy to be free, and are getting caught up, you know, making all the new gang members do shit, um, basically to get back on the map. They're trying to extort people again. Um, uh, you know, I have a friend that cuts his hair up the block and he said that the guy, the barber is going to close his shop because the, the, you know, the gang that controls that area is not charging him money for protection. They call it, but it's just extortion, right? Like, um, you know, how's this man supposed to make his business in, in that neighborhood? And, and, you know, uh, that wasn't happening to that extent a couple of years ago, but you know, now since everybody's going out, you know, there's not enough money circulating in the hood, so now they have to figure out a new way to bring in money to to pay, as they say, the, the bigger homie. Um, it is, man, like a ridiculous. Yes. I was thinking of a... Uh, it reminded me of this time. It's not really related to that, per se, but uh, I was probably like five or six years old, and I went across the street to play... Um, I just wanted to hit a tennis ball against the, uh, the school wall, like, uh, just play tennis by myself, just hitting, you know, like practicing racquetball, basically. So I was five or six, uh, went across the street playing with my tennis ball and my racket and these gang members come up to me. None of them are kids. The youngest one is probably 18 and the oldest one is probably 30. <laughs> and uh, one of them, he's like, um, Hey, uh, can I see your, uh, tennis ball? I want to check it out. Uh, you know, let me, let me check it out. And I was just like, fuck. Like I knew that it's over there. <laughs> like I just lost all my shit. But I was just like, whatever, I'm only five or six. What are they going to do? You know, they're not going to fuck me up. So I give him my tennis racket and my tennis ball. And the guy takes my tennis ball 
and just fucking launches my tennis ball into oblivion. And then he fucking takes my tennis racket and just throws it as far (laughs) as he can throw it. And I'm just standing there like, God, you know, and then they're like, um, one of them like said, you know, whatever their gang was like West side, eh, or whatever. And then they just left. I'm like, fuck, what a downer. Like that, that was just such a, um, demoralizing experience, but that was like, happened all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I when when I was in high school, I was back home from school, and um, I I, I, I can count a couple times where I got beat up by the same gang multiple times because they were always trying to get me to join their gang, and I would say no, and then I get and it's like they were like, we're gonna force you to get in and then beat me up and expect me to hang out with them, I wouldn't, <laughs> and then I get my sick again walking home. I'm just like, fuck, dude, like, when is this shit going to stop? You know, like, I just, you know, you can't be left alone, right? And at five or six years old, no kid at that age is thinking, like, fuck, I'm going to get fucked with my gangsters. But you are, right? Because that's where you're, that's your neighborhood. That's what you've been, been taught, conditioned to think and feel like. It's uh, it, it's almost like it's uh, an evolutionary fucking trait that we have in us, right? That, that's been passed on from living in those areas, like, we know when shit's about to get bad, and it's like, uh, I probably don't want to be around this area for much, for fucking much longer. You know, I, um, your, your kids, right? Like, your kids at five or six years, um, you know, they, they're experiencing, I'm sure. Uh, this experience has probably never been as bad as any of, like, the ones that you've had, like, you know, like, and, and that's a great thing that they've never experienced something like that, you know, because it's like, fuck. Like, like that, it's, like you said, demoralizing, right? Like, who the fuck of you that old getting their shit jacked by <laughs> like, old people and then being told, like, again, as if you can even at that age comprehend what's going on? Like, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it is fucked up, but also, I don't know. It's like, I'm glad that it happened in a way, but also, you know, what would have it been like? not to be in that uh, life also, you know, it's like, it's weird to think like, how would I have been if I would have just been normal in a regular neighborhood with no threat of violence? How would I have been, you know, like, it's hard to imagine that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, You know, if if, if my mom had the money or or if the, the community or the school had the resources to uh, like me, I'm interested in, you know, science, math, and as even as a little kid, I was interested in myself. So I was thinking, that's like, what if, what if my mom had the resources to send me to like these advanced camps to learn from, from, you know, professionals to learn math from mathematicians or to figure other things out, right? Like, how different would my life be? You know, would I make the same choices? Uh, would I be, you know, where would, would I be today? Um, you know, would I, would I would have joined the army and met people like you and, other friends that I have, right? I'm, I'm glad, right, for the life that I have because all things considered, it definitely could have been a lot worse. Um, but you know, like now, it's like, man, it could have been better too. <laughs> you know, but I don't, I don't, obviously, right? I'm just you deal with the you deal with the fucking with the cards you dealt, man. You can either you can go one way, you can go the other. Um, you know, you know, 
once you get the opportunity, make sure you go the other way and don't look back. Yeah, just take whatever opportunity you have and just uh, run with it, and it, most likely it'll be it'll work out. You know, it's just uh, take that first step, and that's all it takes, really. And just try not to uh, fall into old habits, or you know, try to get rid of the people right. who are still in that life. Maybe not get rid of them, but just you don't have to go do that. You can still talk to them, but you don't have to. You know, you don't have to participate, you know. Yeah, yeah. Once you get that, uh, taking that first step to get out. Right? And, and once you get out, like you said, make sure you don't fall into those same habits. If you didn't have those habits or just, you know, once you get out, just get out. Once you're out, nobody knows you. Nobody knows where you're from, where you're from, you know, how you grew up. What you do once you get out, it's up to you, man. You know, that's an opportunity that you, you shouldn't waste. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely, definitely possible, which, you know, that's another reason I wanted to start this thing is that it, it is possible to get out of um, that way of thinking and that way of life of, um, you know, I was thinking about the, the other day because I have this tattoo uh, that just says misery on my arm here. And I was uh, looking at it the other day and... You know, you don't have to just go from misery to misery to like it is possible to get away from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Right, it's like you said, uh, maybe don't spend so much time in those relationships that that harbor that kind of behavior, right? And and, and seek something else, seek something new, right? Uh, whatever you want to do or be. Maybe start hanging in those circles, right, or, or or emulating that type of behavior to to put yourself in that position to to be better, to 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 just not fall back into that life, you know? Because growing up like that, man, hell no, I never want to go back, right? Like I don't ever want to live that way again, like that. But tomorrow is right. It's different because you know, with people who are doing bad shit or all this other stuff, or in the streets, like one of those things like that. You know, today is just it's all business, man. It's, Make sure that you're doing something every day to to better your situation, right? So we're not here for that much longer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just have a couple more questions. Uh, I already know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask anyway. Um, pozole or menudo? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Menudo. Yeah, I'm a, I love corn. I just don't love it in a stew. <laughs> Um, how about if you're, well, I mean, this is kind of a dumb question, I guess, but, uh, flour or corn tortillas? <laughs> Shit, man. You know, if I'm, if I'm eating beans, I like flour tortillas, but if I'm eating like meat or like a fish top on corn tortillas, you know, but like the ones that actually taste like corn that are yellow, not like those, not the white ones, white tortillas, you know, I want them, yeah, no, like the legit corn ones like the blue ones or the yellow or, or whatever man but they just have to take that corn yeah because after i what wrote this, after i wrote, wrote this question down i'm like well flour tortillas are for burritos or quesadillas but corn tortillas are for mm -hmm. like tacos and uh huevos soncheros and um shit like that so it's like i like each one in that certain aspect like it's not like i like one over the other one it's just 
Like if I'm just going to make a quick meal, just a tortilla with butter on the stove. But if I'm going to make some tacos, then I need corn tortillas, you know? So it's, uh, right. each tortilla has its own place in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, depending on the application, right? Like, uh, you know, this is better for that. Like, we're not going to use a fucking, uh, a regular power drill if you have to, you know, use an impact wrench or some shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. It just makes no sense. <laughs> but not bad, man. Yeah, yeah. So you tell me a little bit about when you moved back to New Mexico after that, Andy. Being out living in Wisconsin for a little bit and then moving back out there. Like, um, the differences, right? Like, um, New Mexico is probably the same as, as you remember it, maybe a little bit worse, but Wisconsin, right? You, you were living in Wisconsin for a little bit and you left and then you came back. Was Wisconsin the same? Like, uh, you know, did it seem like life just froze and, and then, you know, things didn't move or did it change a little bit for the better or, or how was it? Um, I would say Wisconsin is still the same as before, uh, before I left and now it's still the same. I mean, uh, things have affected it recently because of COVID, but still they haven't changed that much, honestly. But, um, when we went down to New Mexico, uh, to try to buy a house and try to start a life there, it was quite eye opening, um, because things are still the way they are in Albuquerque. And I forgot how you have to be when you live there. Um, you can't have the same mentality uh, as I do when I live here down there. So when I was finding work and uh, stuff like that down there, um, it's totally different. Like, there's people that are nice here and there, but um, more so everyone is kind of like standoffish and just wondering who you are and like questioning everything about you. Like just like a cold shoulder type of a mentality where it's like you have to just prove yourself right away and hopefully it will work out. Whereas up here, Everyone just gives you the benefit of the doubt here in Wisconsin. So like where I work now and places that I've worked in Wisconsin, um, people just instantly give you the benefit of the, of the doubt and just want to make sure that you're set up for success and that you're um, going to benefit from everything that they got going on. But in Albuquerque, if you get a job, you're like almost like you're the enemy for a while. Like, who, are, who is it? Like, almost like you're a spy or something. It's like, well, who the fuck are you? Like, oh, you know all this. So you know all this shit, huh? So let's let's see what you really know, you know? It's almost like a fucking test by fire. Like, it takes like a few months to even get acclimated to even be in the job. And it's just, that's how the whole society is in Albuquerque. Like, everywhere you go, it's just like, who's this motherfucker? And what's he really doing, you know? So I just had, I had forgotten about all that. Um, so it was kind of a hard transition. Um, for me, it was a little bit easier because I, I just reverted back to my old mentality. 
But for my wife and the kids, they don't have that mentality. So they didn't like it. It just, it's not, <laughs> you know, like if we could just retire there and just stay like in the mountains somewhere, it would probably be okay. But trying to have a job and uh, um, the kids go to school and all that, it's just, it's too much. Like uh, we had to move back. Like there was no other option, honestly. Fuck, yeah, I know. It, it sounds rough, man. And it's the same now, right? Like, I think the reason I'm back here is obviously because I just want to be closer to family. I still have my mom here. Um, but I think if, if I did have children, man, I probably I probably wouldn't go to Bell Heights, man, that's for sure. You know, I'm, I'm here now because, I, like I said, I grew up here. I'm comfortable here. I understand this life, right? Uh, but having kids and, and bringing them here to this place, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do that, man. No, hell no. Just because I know what I went through when I grew up with, so I wouldn't put them through that. I'm not saying I, I, I raised them with a silver spoon by me, but if I can just limit the violence right from the fucking street to the neighbors, uh, then I think I've, I've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, it's kind of funny too because the kids, uh, my kids will tell me like, uh, they'll see something on TV or, or they'll see something crazy and they'll be like, oh man, that must have been like how when you were a kid in Albuquerque, that's crazy. It must be like, that That looks like Albuquerque, you know, because where, <laughs> where we're at here, like there's nothing, nothing ever happens bad. Like everything is always good. Like there's no bums, there's no homeless, there's no um, crime. If there is crime, it's like extremely petty crime, like minor burglaries, minor shit like that. You know, there's never any murders or uh, capital crimes. Um, so it's just so different and nice for them that they just don't. They don't even have to worry about any of that. They just. All they have to worry about is just being a kid and that's it. So it's like, uh, I, you know, I guess that's the best way to grow yeah. up, you know. <laughs> and, and that's the way it should be, right? We, we didn't get that opportunity to just be kids, man. But <laughs> fuck it, man. If you could do that for your kids, I know I would want to do that for my kids. You know, I, I all I had to worry about was fucking scraping my knees or dirty my shoes or playing soccer or football or something. I would have loved that, right? Like, I don't have to worry about walking home at 6 p.m. or, or staying too late after school because I'm going to get my ass kicked or some shit. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to worry about it at that age, man, but fuck it, man. It is what it is, right? Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I'm glad that I had to go through it and they don't. Like, I, you know, I already grew up. It's over. Like, fuck it. I'm, I made it, thankfully, but I'm just glad that they they get to grow up in a positive way. <laughs> with two parents you know it's like they're living it up you know oh. yeah hell yeah man yeah exactly right and i have fucking playstations and blah 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 and you know yearly passes to disneyland and all this shit you know what's the reason behind all of this like what do you hope to and i'm like and you have them living there granted you might you probably didn't have a, a, a growing up but that's not really going to enrich their lives you know I tell that I tell people what I want to give my kids is just me being there, right? My father was never there, so I'd want to be there for my kids as as a, as a dad, as a role model to just show them the right thing, right? Show them that you can have fun growing up, right? But also that life's just it's not as as easy as as just you know giving you everything and 
Like life doesn't work that way. And nobody outside of our home will ever treat you that way. Right? So so why get them accustomed to that when you're just going to set them up for failure, you know, when they go out into the real world? Yeah, might as well get them prepped up and ready for the real shit, you know, like uh, one one day it's going to happen and uh I mean, you can try to avoid it as long as you can, as you want, but eventually it's going to happen and better be prepared than um ill prepared, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not saying that just make their childhood miserable, right? But but be, you know, be mindful of the shit, you know. Maybe you have if you buy a mistake, right? Like, hey, you know, there are people that can't afford to stick, right? I definitely need to revise in middle school, you know? like you know, just shit like that. And you know, we grow up on beans and rice. And that was the primary fucking diet for you. You know, so uh, you know, my, my sister's kids, right? They eat sushi and they go to different places and they're being culturally enriched by different places of foods. And I've never tried fucking sushi as a kid. I tried it in Germany for the first time. Um I didn't even know that was a fucking thing, you know. I thought it was just something I seen a Dragon Ball Z, but fucking <laughs> it's fucking something that these kids are growing up with, which is cool, right? They're learning, man. But at the end of the day, man, that's not like real life, and that's not realistic. Like, you know, it's not. It's not everybody's reality, and I think just making them aware of it, right? Because it, it could come off as pompous, like you know, doing all this shit when somebody doesn't have that same shit. It, it comes off as like, oh, he's fucking, he's fucking silver. Uh, Silver spoons fed fucking kids, and I need to be around and shit. Can I just show them the humility? I guess is what I'm trying. Yeah, it's definitely vital. It's a vital thing that needs to happen, and whatever. That's life. <laughs> it is, <laughs> and we'll see what happens, man. Here, so <laughs> my administration is we're gonna see where it's gonna go. Yeah, that's where fucking fun start. Yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, glad that. Um, I've been prepared uh, mentally for all the things yeah. that are happening nowadays that doesn't really phase me as, as it does others. Like uh, I've always been mentally prepared for the worst <laughs> case scenario. Right. Yeah. And after, after a while you realize eh, maybe the government doesn't. Yeah. Just sit in their own pockets. But they're masking, they're masquerading like they do work for some of us, and that's not, that's not the case. Right? Um, it's just funny, man, seeing all the radicalism on, on, on either side. People are like, I hate this administration for this reason, or I hate this administration for that reason. We're all full of shit, man. You know, take a pick, take a pick. It's hilarious. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so what's up, man? What else you got for me? I think that's pretty much it. I just kind of wanted to get a, a, a little bit of a snapshot of... Uh, a different part of the ghetto, you know? So my, my hope is to have many different types that grew up in the ghetto. So you're from LA. Perfect. You know, uh, I'm from Albuquerque. I need someone who's from Chicago, somebody from Detroit, um, someone who grew up in the Bronx, you know, <laughs> because as I've noticed, uh, all these stories are the same. I mean, just different places you know, like I can, I can get along with anyone from any of these areas. Uh, it doesn't matter where, you know, so I just want these, none of these stories are really told, uh, you know, they're, they're 
made into a stereotype, but they're never um, expanded upon. And uh, all the people that I know, all the people you know, um, just go about their lives. Nobody knows the shit that they've been through or uh, the horrors that they've seen. And they don't say shit to anyone and uh, no one ever knows. So I, I think it's uh, people should know. You know what's funny? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Detroit. Um, remember Sergeant Hamilton? He was from Detroit. He is from Detroit. Um, oh, shit. I remember once he told me the story of him going home. Uh, he just bought himself a nice, I think it was, I don't know what it was, you know, down with Sergeant Hamilton, the black man. A group of black dudes on one side of the street, opposite of where he was at. So he said, I just continued walking forward, you know, like he's like, I was minding business across toward for the time. So he said that when he read them the time, they told him, we finna show you what time it is. And he fucked <laughs> them up and brought you. Oh, man. And I was like, holy shit. He told, he told me, shit. he's like, dude, he was like, uh, not in these words, right? Because he don't speak this way, but he said, um, him being a black, black, he would have been on the same street as them. He would have crossed the way because he already knew that they were going to start some shit or, or try to fuck him up or something. He was like, I don't think it's racist if, you know, if you walk away from a group of people or whatever the case because he's like, nine times out of ten, your instincts are right and, and you're probably going to get your shit kicked in. He's like, in this case, I was already across the street and they still came up to me and fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> For that, I couldn't, I can never, I forget that story, man, because he was, the way he told me, it was he was just so excited to have that watch. And he said he done his first deployment, saved him some money about that watch, and he was super happy about it. <laughs> um, he just got a haircut. Uh, that he was looking good, and he just wanted to walk around. And he said that he never did that shit again. And <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, that's why it's like it's uh, there needs to be more of these stories uh, out there in the world. Um, because they're they're funny, but they're also uh, informative for people. People seem to think nowadays that um, I, I don't know what they think, but there's people out there like you and me uh, and others who have experienced lots of uh, fucked up shit, and all this uh, nonsense that's happening in the world now with uh, PC culture and all this bullshit. Um, that shit doesn't matter on the streets whatsoever. And you can, uh, you can be however you want. You can be whatever, but that ain't going to help you from getting, getting a jumped or getting robbed or nothing, you know? So, uh, you know, there's a real world out there and, uh, more people should know about it basically yeah PC, pc culture only exists in these privileged places where you can complain about shit because you, you can't be in the hood in the street or whatever complaining about oh uh you know refer to me as this or, <laughs> or refer to me as that problem whatever. no you're gonna get fucked up for one <laughs> yeah you get fucked up again. some shit like that like right people might not be homophobic but you're gonna get fucked up for even just trying to tell people what to do in the hood like that I don't care about fucking PC coach saying the right thing or this or that. Like, he's a black man, and he felt threatened by a group of black men, right? Like, people, regardless of color, in the group are always going to be threatening, regardless of who you are, right? Especially if you're from an area that you know is bad. Like, he's from Detroit. 
And he knew that he probably shouldn't have been walking down the fucking street with any watch, but hey, man, he was feeling good and he did it, and he's not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and even in the military, like culturally, I was doing this assignment for my Spanish class about um, uh, greetings, uh, you know, the, the, the way people greet each other in different cultures. Um, you know, we had to give examples of whatever. I gave a couple of examples of, of cultures, but not necessarily race or ethnic cultures, but uh, a culture as in the ghetto, right? This is the culture of people who greet each other like, hey, get my way or, or some stupid shit, right? Something like that. Whereas in, in a nice neighborhood, you wouldn't say you wouldn't say that, right? That's kind of brassy. Or, you know, in the army, you'll tell your hey, cocksucker, or hey, asshole, or some shit. Um, but you wouldn't greet your coworker that way, right? And it's like, um, greetings are different, man. And, and I think the military as a whole has a culture of, of now, sadly, it's, it's turning into the whole PC shit where people want to be correct about everything, right? But it, it used to be a culture where everybody was just, you know, it was just like uh, the back of the bar. Everybody was just shooting the shit, talking shit. Feelings weren't hurt. And, you know, you laughed about it. Right? People have taken the humor out of life, man, and that's it's kind of depressing. It's sad, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's still people out there that don't participate in that bullshit. And uh, I think that's a majority of people mm-hmm. in reality. You know, it, it's only yeah. in this false reality where any of this shit exists. You know, in, in real life, uh, people are most mostly regular, and even if there are PC people out there in real life, uh, they don't ever say shit to me. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, maybe they they just wait and talk about it online to to Twitter, but they they never tell me about it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Really, that's uh. All I really wanted to uh, do today, um, I think we covered some uh, good areas, and uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, you could uh, share your story of the ghetto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's familiar, but different. yeah, man, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It was definitely fun hashing up old memories, uh, reliving it again, <laughs> kind of. Uh, you can just see where you were and where you are now. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to press uh, stop recording now. Um, but yeah, uh, just don't don't hang up. I'm just going to stop recording. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Devil Thought Dimension. That was our talk with my friend Oscar, uh, talking about the ghetto and what it's like to grow up in a big city. Um, Hopefully we can do some more conversations with some more interesting people. Um, Every Saturday is my hope to get someone on and have a nice conversation about growing up in uh, different parts of the ghetto in the country. Uh, Maybe we can get someone on someday from a ghetto in Europe. Um, Because that's what I noticed also in Europe was the ghetto is the ghetto. Even in Iraq, it's still uh, similar situations. Just uh, people on the bottom trying to make it each day while the people at the top live it up. Uh, What a downer. Anyway, uh, you can find my stuff at uh, doublethoughtdimension.com. 
at the website. You can click on our Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, the link tree. Uh, you can do the donate button, the whole shebang there. Um, feel free to reach out to us at dtdimension at protonmail.com. And that will do it. Uh, again, doublethoughtdimension.com. All right, have a good one. Thank you.